Welcome to Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better, where I talk about my personal and my group coaching clients' experiences of healing our hearts, authentically falling in love with ourselves, and yes, finding someone better. I'm Claire the Heartbreak Coach. Let's take your love life and entire life to the next level. Hello, my loves. We are at episode 114, Clarity on Closure. I was tempted to call it Clarity on Closure. C-L-A-I-R-E-I-T-Y. See what I did? I'm punny. I can't help it. I'm a dorky, punny person. (laughs) My first name for my coaching business five years ago was Claire Your Mind. You're welcome. I used to have a blog. Clear your mind Monday. Maybe some of you remember it. Anyway, clarity on closure. Yes, I was inspired yet again to do this episode based on something that came up for my client this past week. So I have a five-step process to stop wanting him back or her back. I have my one-year group program, same title as this podcast, Stop Wanting Him Back and Find Someone Better. It's for all women. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. And it's a five-step process that I guide you through to create three results, stopping wanting him back, falling in love with yourself, and finding someone better. It's a five-step process to create three massive results in my one-year group program. Go to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com to sign up if you are interested in taking not just your love life, but your whole life to the next level. And closure is step three. And I'll give you a little spoiler alert here. Closure is not something that you get from another person. What? Closure is not something that you get from another person. That's not that doesn't mean you're not going to get closure from a person. You could think, "Oh, he said I'm sorry and he shouldn't have done what he did and that gave me closure." Sure, you could have a thought about that, but don't believe the lie that you can only get closure from someone else. I looked up the definition of closure. Here it is. An often comforting or satisfying sense of finality for victims. An often comforting or satisfying sense of finality for victims. Notice it doesn't say that victims get from the person who caused them pain, right? An often comforting or satisfying sense of finality for victims. It doesn't say where you get that finality from and how you get it is part of the closure. But of course, we all automatically believe that in order to get closure, we need that from the other person. Bull fucking shit. And so what rolled off my client's tongue automatically this past week was, you know, it's so interesting. Like, he's trying to get in touch with me. I'm not responding. And I really realized, Claire, there is nothing that he could say for me to get back on the phone. If he said, I'm leaving the person that I'm with and I just came into all this money and I just want you and I to run off into the sunset together, I would be like, fuck off, no. And she was like, and I even went to the dark place of, if he was like, hey, I've got three days to live. I want to talk to you. She was like, I think I'd say, fuck off, no. There's nothing that he can say. And so coach over here said, okay, interesting. What if he said, 
oh my God, I am so sorry for all of the pain and the suffering that I have caused you. You are amazing. Even though I'm in this other relationship, I know I'm settling. I know I'm never going to find another you. I fucked everything up. And I just want you to know that you were the one who got away. I love you. I will always love you. I wish you all the best in your life. And I know that I'll never be good enough for you. And because I love you so much, I just will leave you alone and set you free and respect you and encourage you to go live your best life because clearly I'm not it because I'll never be good enough for you. And she said, well, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. And I'm sure many of you listening are like, yeah, that would be really satisfying for my ego. And so it rolled off her tongue that, you know, like, well, if I got that closure from him, that would be great. And I'm like, no, 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 wait a second. You're deciding that that's your definition of closure. This is what coaching is about, you guys. We're rewriting what these concepts mean to you. We're rewriting your definition of love. We're rewriting your definition of closure, We're creating a new up-leveled relationship with yourself one belief at a time, one thought at a time, over and over and over and over again. You've been thinking, feeling, and behaving for X amount of years that are yielding you these kinds of low-leveled results. This is why you're listening to this podcast. And my job is to unpack one thought at a time. And even though this client has been working with me for a few months and she has moved mountains and it's amazing, it's also fascinating to just listen to her automatically get caught up in the fantasy that I created for her. She showed up at the call being like, wow, there really is nothing that he could say. And I'm like, well, what if he said this? And she was like, oh my God, that would be great. (laughs) So I'm always testing my clients and really having them shine a light on their truth of what their actual brain is saying. I don't think my client did anything bad or wrong. My job is to cultivate an acute level of deep, true awareness so that they can get to the crux of the issue and truly authentically heal all of this bullshit pain that they are carrying around with them because it's just addictive. It's what they know. They've never been taught how to manage their mind in this way before, just like I wasn't prior to five years ago. And really, I would say more so, even though I've been a coach for five years, I really only started getting heavily coached by amazing coaches three years ago. And that's where my life just skyrocketed for the better in all areas. My relationship with my body, my relationship with my money, my relationship just with myself and who I saw in the mirror and the way that I spoke to myself, my belief in myself as a female entrepreneur and my ability to not just become an amazing coach, but to run a successful business and ultimately heal all of the fucked up relationships from my past, not just romantic ones. Which ones do I let go? Which ones do I heal and nurture and grow? Which ones do I create my own closure on? And then ultimately, I use coaching to create the best result I've ever created in my life, which is the love of my life, Larry, and now live in Santa Barbara, California, where he resides with his children, his four children, who he's with 50% of the time, and I'm getting to know them. And it is oftentimes can be quite hard in this new role, understandably so. I think anyone coming into a role like I am um, would be lying if they said it was just effortless and blissful. It's challenging. These are 
young hearts and and minds that are adjusting to me. <laughs> so it it is challenging and the most rewarding, and I wouldn't have it any other way. And that's what coaching has provided for me because I never anticipated this life, yet it's better than I ever could have anticipated. But I stayed open for it and I unraveled all of these really shitty, crappy, self-deprecating, painful beliefs that I thought I needed to hold on to to survive. But actually, they were creating so much more suffering and they were creating really unsatisfying circumstances in my life. Lonely, sad, alone, heartbroken, anxious, stressed. And that doesn't mean I don't feel negative emotion now. And that doesn't mean I don't feel stressed now as I continue to expand my business on a next level. But I have tools now on how to work through it. And it's always based on, I mean, I just got coached by one of my peer coaches in my mastermind. And I was just rambling. And I said, tell me what you got from the ramble that I just gave you. And she was just like, Missy, you're very dismissive of your exhaustion, right? Because then I'm like, oh, I can't be exhausted, right? Like I still have this natural go-to in my exhaustion of just like, oh, maybe my exhaustion is a thought. It's not a circumstance. Anyway, my point is I continue to coach and get coached because obviously I continue to coach, but I continue to get coached because there's always sneaky shit. And she was like, you're not giving yourself permission. Of course you're exhausted. Can you let yourself rest? And I said, yes, after I record this podcast. (laughs) So I really want you to sit with this concept, really sit with it, not just like intellectually sitting there nodding your head like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Closure is not something that you need from someone else. I'm going to go to a really extreme example. For those of you who don't know, I'm obsessed with watching murder documentaries, all the 2020 episodes, Dateline NBC, anything on Netflix or Hulu, you name it, I've watched it. I'm avoiding the Night Stalker because I really got super freaked out by the Golden State Killer and he was in Santa Barbara. And so I was like truly deeply disturbed by that. So I'm avoiding the Night Stalker, just so you guys know. (laughs) But I'm taking it there because when I read this definition of closure, an often comforting or satisfying sense of finality for victims, and I don't know if any of you who has suffered the loss of a person because they were murdered. I mean, that is just the most horrific thing. But from all of the documentaries and episodes of Dateline NBC in 2020 that I have watched, even when the person gets the death penalty, even when the person goes to prison for life, they don't have a comforting or satisfying sense of finality. Okay, fine. There's that relief. I mean, some of them say, like, it's just good to know he's behind bars. It's just good to know he's getting what he's paying for. Fine. But, like, really, at the end of the day, all they want is their loved one back, and they are never going to get that back. And there are people out there we all know who committed murder and aren't paying the consequences, got away with it. There wasn't a smoking gun in the evidence. But don't believe that those victims who lost the loved one are going to have all of a sudden this peace and closure once the person is caught. And I know a lot of people make it their mission that until this person is put behind bars and they are punished for the crime, they won't rest and they'll feel unsettled. But even still, and I say this very cautiously as someone who has never experienced such a horrific thing, but... Even still, 
after all of the healing, which could take a really long time and trauma therapy to move through this insane kind of pain, I would still invite that person, if they were my client, which obviously they wouldn't be because this is not my area of expertise, at some point to shift on believing that they need closure in order for something to happen. Yes, it always helps for the person to be punished for the crime. Always. That's very human for us to feel that satisfaction in that way. But I just don't believe that the person going to jail would give you closure. And I know, circling back to my area of expertise, heartbreak, I know that that person apologizing to you, taking responsibilities for his assholery, and telling you that you're the best he'll ever have isn't the solution and isn't the real kind of closure that you need. Your primal brain right now might be thinking it really is. The little girl who wants to be loved might be thinking it really is. But that's where you're off on your healing. And the longer you wait and the more you fantasize about all the ways he needs to be, for you to get closure and to feel better, the longer you will be in pain. Closure for me, and I'm referring to my rock bottom heartbreak 10 years ago, again, episode five, my heartbreak story, if you are not familiar, was really understanding what an awful man he is. I don't even like to give him the label man. I just don't even think he's a boy, a child, a very uh, limited person. And closure for me was, wow, you are nothing like I thought you were. Wow, now I know. And really taking the focus off of his awfulness and nastiness and coldness and insensitivity, which insensitivity, as I say, it is such an understatement for all that he put me through. That's all the closure I need. But at the time, I wanted him to make his wrongs right because I thought that was a possibility. I didn't really under, I didn't really understand. I had no idea what narcissistic sociopathy was. And again, in terms of my heartbreak, I'm also talking about a very extreme example. We're not always heartbroken over narcissistic sociopaths. Mine was so extreme and, and dramatic, which drove me onto this path. But I wanted, I wanted him to suffer. I wanted him to pay. I wanted him to apologize. I wanted everybody to know all the shit that he did. I wanted everyone to turn their back on him because of what he did to me as if that was going to give me closure. What a load of bullshit. Yeah, it would be nice. And there were some people who turned away. There were people in my camp that were just like, wow, that is fucked up. You are not the friend I thought you were. And anyone who does this to my friend Claire isn't a friend of mine. Sure, it was nice. It was helpful. I felt like I had some loved ones who had my back in the same way that I would have theirs, but that didn't give me closure. I'd say a huge key component and big step before closure was acceptance. And I'd imagine, going back to my very extreme analogy of someone, a loved one being murdered, that acceptance would be a huge part of the closure because. As Byron Katie says, when we argue with reality, we suffer. And of course, we're going to argue with reality. And we may argue with reality for the rest of our lives in that extreme case. 
But if we want to live a life with peace and happiness and live the life that probably that loved one would want you to live, acceptance would be a big part of the closure. And that really was huge for me. People in the world exist to tell you that they love you while they're completely backstabbing you and cheating on you and making empty promises to your face that have no substance or no delivery on them. And they don't care to pay for the consequences. They think that they are invincible. They think that they are untouchable. They think that they are entitled. People like that exist in the world. And I used to think that that was just the stuff that movies were made of or stuff that happens to other people, not things that happen to me. And it happened to me. And I had to accept that I fell in love with someone who was capable of doing that and that he exists. And that he will never apologize because apologizing would mean taking responsibility. So that was not going to give me a comforting or satisfying sense of finality because I was never going to get that from him. So I had to redefine my idea of closure. So I just let myself fall apart. I was directionless, as I've shared for many years. I tried therapist after therapist for a couple of years in New York, I think I tried about four and they were awful. I am not knocking therapy. Therapy is amazing. I had an amazing therapist who I found in LA and I love therapy. But again, I think you have to find the right coach for you. You have to write, find the right therapist for you. But I really did let myself grieve. I really did commit to my meditation practice and let myself fall apart. I prayed. I read lots of healing passages. I did it all to really lean in and put the focus back on me. That gave me the closure. Okay, I can sit here ruminating, obsessing, analyzing, resisting all of the shit that he did. I can wait for an apology. I can sit around and connect with mutual friends and people who know him and hear all of the shit that he's continuing to do to other women and all the shit that he's continuing to say about me and have that be my life or get out there and create that comforting and satisfying sense of finality for myself. Okay, that happened. I was with that person and it turned out to be a total lie. And it caused me so much pain. And my brain wants him to pay. My brain wants him to apologize. My brain wants him to think that I'm the one that got away, that he fucked up his life forever because he will never have me again. That's what my brain wants to think is my definition of closure. But the biggest gift that I ended up getting, and I'll never forget this, I say I'll never forget this, but I think I have forgotten it for many years. But as I was preparing for this episode on closure, I remembered in the thick of this heartbreak, in the thick of this pain, when I knew that he was with another woman, despite the fact that he denied it to me and he had given us both an STD and he still wouldn't tell her when I reached out to him to tell her. That's also a part of my heartbreak story. <laughs> Episode five. Love how we're chuckling about it now. And this woman is now a very dear friend of mine. But, you know, in the thick of that pain, when I knew that he was with her, I actually had a dream. And I was going over to pick up the baby girl that he and I had together. And it was like he was dating Victoria. And I went over back to his apartment where I lived. And they were there. And I want to say she was holding the baby girl and they were giving it back to me. And there was no tension. There was no fighting. It was like they were giving 
maybe I have shared this in this podcast before. I don't know, on a different episode, but I remember her handing over this little brown-haired, blue-eyed baby girl back to me. And it was so symbolic. And I remember even telling my mom, who wouldn't necessarily be someone who's like reading into dreams or anything, but I remember telling my mom, it was like, they were giving me back to me in the dream. They're like, here, take her, take care of her. And it was just so clear and symbolic. Side note on dreams, people like to read into dreams. Oh my God, he came to me in a dream. I've been dreaming about him. Does that mean I should reach out to him? Nine times out of 10, no. Actually, I'd say 10 times out of 10, no. I do believe in the power of dreams and I do believe, you know, people who have passed on. Wow, death is really the theme of this episode. I do believe people pass on and they can come to you in a dream and speak to you and tell you the thing exactly that you need to hear in order to heal and move on. And it can be very helpful. And sometimes I think dreams are just coincidental and we're using and relying on them to give us messages that might not really be. But in this particular case, it was very visceral and very clear that they were giving me the little girl version back, the little girl version of me back to me. And it was very symbolic that there were older wounds for me to heal. And the there was a relationship with me that I needed to heal way more than worrying about my relationship with him anymore. And I would love to be able to tell you, and then after that dream, it all became clear and I put all the pieces together again. It wasn't that simple as I've shared on pretty much every episode, really getting to coaching after using therapy and meditation and yoga as my foundational tools. Their coaching ended up being the most transformational tool. I feel like even though that guy was out of my life for seven years I think coaching really locked, like put that final nail in the coffin for me. And I ended up having to see him two and a half years ago in a courtroom, which I've mentioned on many other episodes. And it brought up, a, it really triggered a trauma response in my body that was very unexpected. I thought I was very prepared. It turned out I wasn't. And the way I feel about that was not that, oh, I must have more healing to do. It, it actually really validated the trauma that he put me through at the time. And because he had been removed and because I had been doing so much healing in my life, not just over him, over many things and other relationships, but that for sure was the most painful, damaging experience of my life. But I can honestly say, here I am 10 years later, I have all the closure that I need and the closure, the best closure that you can ever get from you, not from him, is living your best fucking life. The best closure you can ever get, not from him, from you, is you living your best fucking life. I don't need a fucking apology from him. He is blocked on all the channels. So are every family member that is connected to him. And some of them are really lovely, good people, but they're always going to be loyal to him. Blood is thicker than water, even though they all knew it. Some of them apologized to me for it and felt terrible, but they're related to him and they weren't going to drop him for me. And I didn't need them to. But to me, I want to be completely disconnected, completely removed. I have no interest in staying connected to any of even the lovely people he's connected to, as well as our mutual friends. People who are friends of his are not friends of mine. It's just a blanket rule for me 
to have created that closure because every time I was interacting with them, it was always on my brain. But they're still friends with that guy. And they know who he is. One of them even said to me once, I mean, I love him like he's my brother, but oh, the way he treats women. And it's like, okay, but he's not your brother. And if it really bothered you the way he treated women, why are you friends with him? You're a woman. (laughs) So I just, in terms of creating the closure, I got to do it. Cut all those people out, even if they're good people. If he is on your brain and it is eating you up and you are obsessing, ruminating, longing, trying to manipulate what is and trying to gather the information, it's like, how committed are you to living your best life? Because living your best life is the best closure that you can get. And he can't give you your best life. Only you can give you your best life. So If you're listening to this episode and you're like, oh my God, it's so bad. No. Oh my God. What she's saying is totally right. But it's true. I still like if he texted me right now, hey, I'm so sorry. I'll never find another you. How can I make it up to you? Please. I'm begging you. Or you're too good for me. I can't even beg you back. Right? If you're still believing that, that is totally okay. I'm really trying to hit home on this with my clients and audience and myself. It isn't bad that our brains are thinking something. Even if it's causing you suffering, even if it's preventing you from healing, it isn't bad that you're thinking a thought that's preventing you from the result of creating closure, that's preventing you from the result of moving the fuck on. Just shine a light on it. Just be curious. Just watch. Just allow. Negative emotion won't kill you. Oh, that's so interesting. I'm really fixated. I've often had people tell me like, oh my God, I got this closure that like I would have died for. And I mean, I don't care now. I don't care now, but oh my God, I got all this closure. And I'm like, well, if you don't care, why do you feel the need to talk about it? I got quote unquote closure from someone who I was so hung up on. And It was nice, but it's like not something that I think anyone knows probably besides my best friend because it was like I talked to her all the time and I was like, oh, this happened. But I'm not like, hey, guys, this happened, this happened, this happened, right? It's like how much do you really care? Even with the satisfaction of like, oh, one time I would have cared, but now I wouldn't. But it's like I think true closure is like not even like a need to share about it because it's it's done. It's closed. So really asking yourself, did I need it? Do I need it? Why do I need it? What's my definition of closure now? Oh, after listening to this episode, I realized that, yeah, I've thought that I've needed him to say certain things and that he was a fuck up and now his life sucks and will never be the same. And if only he had done X, Y, Z. And also like, That's also just such a sad existence when people say shit like that. I'm like, get a life coach. It's not like, oh, now this is my life and I'm fucked without this person. I always say this, you guys. Larry is the love of my life. I don't know what I would do without him. But also, if he left me tomorrow, I actually do know what I would do without him. (laughs) I would fall the fuck apart. I would grieve. I would hide in a hole. I would freak out. I would want closure from him. That's where my brain would go because I'm a human first, not a coach first. And I would do my five-step process. I would cut contact. I shit you not. 
I know I would cut contact if he was like, oh, I just don't know if I see a future with you anymore. And so I think like, I don't know, can we still be friends? Fuck no. You are completely cut out. And then I would fall the fuck apart. I think that would take a really long time. And then I would create my own closure. I already know one of the thoughts that I would think, this is how psycho my brain is. <laughs> one of the thoughts I would think is he's never going to find anyone better than me. Nobody could love him the way that I love him. I was at my best friend's wedding a couple of weeks back and the groom's mom, my best friend's hubby, told Heather, no man, I really and truly believe that no man could love you the way that my son loves you. And I believe that about her husband too. And I really believe that nobody could love Larry the way that I love Larry. So there's my closure. Maybe he thinks it. I don't think it. I think I'm the best girlfriend ever. <laughs> what are my thoughts about me as a partner? But what we want to do is that we want to fixate on the other person's thoughts about you. But the other person's thoughts about you just don't matter. It will matter in the grieving phase, in the falling apart, in the letting your heart break. But if you really are truly at peace that you are the best partner for your person, go be that then for someone else. Because if you believe that you're an amazing partner and you have so much to offer, there will be someone who will meet you there. But I had to have that belief about myself before Larry came into my life. I was like, oh, I've been looking this whole time for who's going to do what for me and what he's going to look like and how he's going to be and how he's going to show up. Wait, Let's fall in love with who I am and, and me as a partner and how I'm going to show up. Then it's going to give me a crazy amount of confidence to just be out there and being like, yeah, you want this. <laughs> Jokes aside about the cockiness, this is the kind of confidence that I want to really have my clients embody. It's like, okay, so he left, but I know I was an amazing partner and it's super painful when they don't reciprocate. But am I going to sit here and beat myself up? And some of you might be listening thinking, oh my God, I was a shitty partner. I was high drama and or I didn't treat him well and now I regret it. Well, no time like the present. Heal that. Forgive yourself. Live and learn and become the partner you want to become for the right person. Go create your best fucking life regardless of who is and who isn't in it, regardless of who chose to stay and who chose to leave. But are you going to stay for you? Ooh, so good. So much love, my loves. Head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com. Sign up for my one-year group coaching program. Stop wanting him back and find someone better to take this work to the next level. What are you defining as closure? What are you defining as the idea of forgiveness or how you should be or how you should think or how you should feel or how you should act and noticing on a much deeper level your thoughts about your thoughts that are fucking you up and keeping you stuck? Let's do it. Until next time, my loves. Bye. My love. Are you ready to stop wanting him back and find someone better? Then head on over to clairetheheartbreakcoach.com and sign up for my one-year group coaching program. I can't wait to put a stop to your broken heart and get a start on your happily ever after. After.